Attitudes about war and military service changed a lot during the boomer era. The parents of boomers faced World War II, and their return to peace fueled the baby boom. Older boomers faced the Vietnam War. Younger boomers lived through a time of relative peace until Operation Desert Shield in 1990 and Operation Desert Storm in 1991. The 1960s were a time of turmoil in the United States, especially with respect to the Vietnam War. There were conflicting beliefs about that war and war in general, and military members often returned home to anti-war demonstrations and intense ridicule. It's only been in more recent years that soldiers who served in Vietnam were given respect for what they went through, and more recent wars have led to much greater respect for the military and the role they play in preserving freedom. This episode is a personal story about my own attitude transition. Let's peek inside the mind of a boomer. This is Boomer Randomness, a podcast dedicated to the baby boom generation with random observations about boomer life from boomers, including topics like music, movies, memories, marriage and divorce, retirement, bucket lists, kids and grandkids, travel, and a whole lot more. Here's your boomer host, Bernie Lucas. Home alone on a Saturday night, three days after Veterans Day 2020, While watching a PBS special about the Vietnam War, my mind drifts back to 1972. I'm on Interstate 10, driving west in my green 1966 Mustang, returning to San Antonio after a weekend visit to my hometown, New Orleans. Behind me, two days of hugs with family, kisses with my soon-to-be first wife, 48 hours dressed in jeans and a t-shirt, eating po'boy sandwiches in Jambalaya. I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. It felt good to be out of the On the road with me, horse with no name, green-eyed lady, and American pie fade in and out of the static in my car's AM radio tuned to a station in Houston. Ahead of me, after a few more hours of driving through the night, a return to Fort Sam Houston and my ongoing attempt to be honorably discharged two years short of my three-year enlistment in the Army. Monday, I'll be dressed in green Army fatigues again, eating Army food, and doing various odd jobs like moving furniture, sweeping floors, and painting offices while they decide whether to grant my request or not. The war in Vietnam was still going on, but fewer troops were being sent there and more civilians were loudly protesting our country's involvement in a conflict that seemed to have little bearing on the safety and security of our country. Why was I in the army and why was I trying to get out? Boomers will likely remember the military draft lottery. A number was randomly assigned to each day of the year and the number assigned to your birthday became your lottery number. Young men 18 or older were drafted into military service in the order of their lottery numbers. Mine was 190. They were up to at least 125 in Louisiana. That summer, my college grade point average sank to a new low, basically requiring a long pause in my college life. No more college deferment, and a fear of being drafted led me to research enlistment options. If I was likely to have to serve in the military anyway, I thought I might have better choices if I volunteered. 
The recruiter painted a pretty rosy picture of my options. Broadcast specialist was an MOS, military occupational specialty, that appealed to me because I was already interested in a possible radio career. One of the few true things he said was that there were only a few openings in that MOS each year, and people with an MOS of communications specialist got preference. There were plenty of communications specialist openings, so without any real details from him or questions from me, I signed up. My religious upbringing led me to believe that killing was wrong, but it seemed there was an exception during war. I had this naive notion that infantry was the only part of the army that involved killing people. I had not thought through the full reality of military service, nor the full extent of my own beliefs at the time. Within a month of my service, it became apparent to me that every part of the military supported killing in some way or another. It seemed that there must be some way I could serve my country without being in a position where I'd have to kill someone. One day, while on the firing range, learning to shoot by firing on human silhouettes, I experienced a bit of reality I had not anticipated. I noticed I could barely hit the target, much less hit a critical spot on the human silhouette. The instructor was puzzled by this, too. I was doing everything correctly, correct position, correct aim. It was a bright, sunny day, blue skies, but I kept missing it. I said a silent prayer along the lines of, please let me hit this target. Missed again. Was this some kind of sign? That was the day I learned about something called conscientious objector status. It was a designation in which I would continue all aspects of basic training except firearms training. Then I'd be assigned a non-combat MOS. I applied that week. Boomer Randomness It was assumed that military personnel who were conscientious objectors would want to be medics. So I was assigned to medic training in San Antonio, Texas. The first thing I learned was their motto, to preserve and conserve the fighting strength. Uh, In other words, a medic's job was to patch up the injured soldiers and send them back out to kill. I considered applying to be an army accountant, but that mission is to pay the soldier to kill. Long story short, I applied for a conscientious objector discharge, and six months later I was headed home with an honorable discharge. I am certain many people in and out of the military at that time would have considered me some kind of coward. Military veterans hearing my story today might feel the same way. I felt I was in some way brave for putting up with the ridicule in the name of standing up for my beliefs, which had crystallized during basic training. Some people at the time applauded me for my actions. There was plenty of anti-war sentiment in the early 70s, especially related to the Vietnam War. Fast forward 51 years to today. Although I am more spiritual than religious, I still have a faith-based objection to killing. But I also have an understanding that there are times when taking a life is the correct option. I have the utmost respect for the military. I understand the role that military plays in our freedoms, and I respect and honor those men and women who put their lives on the line to protect our lives. And sometimes taking the life of an enemy is a necessary part of that mission. 
My support for the military today is very much focused on causes and organizations like Fisher House Foundation, Wounded Warriors, and Operation Second Chance. This is my way of resolving an internal conflict about killing. If you're a boomer, how have your attitudes and beliefs about the military and about war changed over time? As I said earlier, older boomers dealt with the Vietnam War, younger boomers lived through a relatively peaceful time, and might not have faced a situation where killing an enemy was needed to save our freedoms. Younger generations lived through the Persian Gulf War, the war in Afghanistan, and others. And the military draft ended in 1973. So it is now an all-volunteer military. Until about 10 or 15 years ago, I rarely admitted to being an Army veteran. When I do admit it, people sometimes thank me for my service. But I am quick to point out that my service was unremarkable. I still rarely admit to the reason my three-year enlistment lasted only 11 months, although I guess I'm doing it now in this podcast. Times and attitudes change. Music often reflects attitudes. In the 1960s and 70s, there were songs protesting war. There were also songs supporting the war and the military. Men who mean just what they say, the brave men of the Green Beret. Hearing those songs can transport you to that part of your life and remind you of what you believed then. In more recent years, many songs support today's military and the role those men and women play in guarding our freedom. One song that puts me back on an army base has nothing to do with war. American Pie was on the radio during my year in the army. I started singing bye bye Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. I even had a friend who had a Chevy, and we drove it to a levee to take a picture. I'm serious, we did. And to this day, the song Green-Eyed Lady instantly plants me back in the driver's seat of my green Mustang on a Sunday night on I-10, heading back to a week of green fatigues on an army base in San Antonio. I'm Bernie Lucas. Thanks for letting me share this story. Hey, here's what's coming up on Boomer Randomness. I post new episodes on Mondays and Thursdays. Looks like I still haven't done that Woodstock story, so that's coming up soon. Also working on dating in the boomer era, as well as more reminiscing about TV shows, music, and movies. Learn more about Boomer Life and sign up for episode updates at boomerrandomness.com. And check us out on the Boomer Randomness Facebook. Okay, Boomer, thanks for listening. And tell everyone you know about Boomer Randomness.